Yeah, this is something I had uh, particularly experienced um, in my previous startup. Uh, I had to shut it down because of co-founders, because of not having the right people who share the same vision, who are ready to put the same amount of skin in the game. Mm-hmm. They're not just there in words, but they're actually showing it all in actions. Meet Madhusudan Anand. Maddie firmly believes in what Peter Drucker said. If you cannot measure it, you cannot solve it. They are bringing that critical measurement through accurate, dependable, continuous, insightful, and actionable data to create an impact. Welcome to our series entitled The I Am Podcast, a podcast about innovation, business, and most importantly, people. In this series, we'll be talking to founders, executives, and various experts about their vision, challenges, best practices, and lessons learned throughout their journey. Let's get started. This podcast is powered by iamops.io. Optimize your cloud infrastructure and CICD process with iamops.io dedicated DevOps team. Check out www.iamops.io and get a DevOps team now. Hello, everyone. Today, I am joined by none other than the co-founder and the CTO at Ambi, Madhusudhan Anand. Thank you for joining me today, Maddie. Thanks, Maddie. Thanks for inviting me for this podcast. Pleasure sure. to be talking to you. It is my pleasure. Welcome to the I Am Podcast. Thank you. We are so excited to learn more about you, your product, and especially your journey. So let us fire up the session. Let's start with this question. Maddie, could you share with us your unique value proposition? Yes, sure. We are an environmental intelligence company. Mm-hmm. And our unique value proposition is that we give you a, a very personalized, specific to your business, intelligence for, of the environment that could help you increase your revenue, improve your engagement with your customers, expand your market, make your customers happy, healthier. And, and we're on a mission to improve the health of not just you know thousands of hundreds of millions of people, but improve the health of the planet itself. How do you do that? Like, can you tell us more about how you do that? Sure. We've, we've taken a, a research approach to product development, a, a very unique method, uh, because a lot of things when we started out doing, for example, how can you track real-time air quality street by street across the globe? How do you do that? So it's a research problem. And some of these things had to be accurate, uh, scientifically usable, approved, certified, standardable, you know, sort of actionable, insightful data. So uh, we came up with an approach of combining uh, on-ground sensors and uh, earth observatory data. And some of them are free. Most of them are of our earth observatory data is paid. And when we combine that data uh, on-ground sensor and science, um, we have got something useful. So it's, it's now meets all the criteria. And then we did a research on you know, how we can interpolate that data across every street in the, in, you know, across the world. And, and that's how we came up with our own proprietary algorithms, models, which are trained with historical data and who understand how, you know, for example, most of the time when you're measuring air quality, it's not about just the sensors and, and satellite. It's also about understanding human activities. 98% of air pollution comes from human activities. Mm-hmm. So we started looking at traffic, 
We started looking at population increase, what started happening with land cover, land use changes. We applied meteorological data to understand how pollution disperses from a source, from, for example, a chimney or an exhaust of a vehicle, and how all of that affects different neighborhoods, different places. And then we started applying our numbers. And then we started to make sense. So that's how we've got data for air, soil, water, um, water vapor, uh, forest fire. And we're also you know, the first ones in most countries to provide pollen count data, not just you know, mm-hmm. high, medium, or low pollen, but actually tell you how many counts of pollen grains you're breathing in, you know, and with over 25 subspecies. So you can specifically point out allergies. So some of them are specific, uh, allergic to grass, some of them are to trees, and specific type of tree, um, and, and then you can mitigate it. So that's how granular we became. I heard that the government of India is really spending money to get accurate data. How do you make sure that your system is accurate? Yeah, uh, it, this, is a, this is a science, technical, operational problem as well. Mm-hmm. In India, uh, we also put out um, our own air monitoring sensors. And these sensors are in line, most of them are in line with their low-cost sensors. They're also uh, a little higher cost sensors. We have a combination of those. And some of these are approved by the, the now government of India standard uh, sensor technology application. So with that, uh, we have these sensors in place. And then we uh, have beta attenuation monitors. They're nothing but government approved uh, scientific grade sense, uh, air monitoring stations. So we compare our virtual air monitoring data with that of a beta attenuation monitor and we make sure they're always accurate. And now we have a continuous error correction system that uh, uh, that sort of continuously keeps up, updating and correcting our uh, sensors and calibrates their readings on the cloud real time. Every reading gets calibrated mm-hmm. and hence we're always accurate around the clock. In fact, even when the government sensors don't have the data, uh, data goes missing, our virtual sensors or on-ground sensors are constantly giving you the right air quality at all times and at, at a very high granularity. How does this solution create an impact to the world? Uh, so we're all about, about impact. Now, uh, for let's say um, uh, it, it all started with my story. By just measuring air quality, it helps parents understand why their children are, are turning asthmatic or are getting persistent cough cold. And this data helps them figure out whether it's their house, whether it's where the child goes to school or where it's, you know, where they're playing. And it's, it's just not the children, but also to a lot of people. So when it comes to people health, uh, we tell them what to do and what not to do. Uh, when their quality is high, we, we kind of give them very personalized suggestions what they can do to protect themselves and their loved ones. And at the same time, um, uh, we work with different uh, uh, communities. So we use AI for social good. And also we work with uh, both downstream. This is the downstream side of it. At the upstream, we work with the pharma company to develop better uh, allergy medicines, uh, better uh, you know, respiratory therapies for digital therapeutics, uh, and also work with government and policymaking to sort of uh, understand What's happening? We work with the municipal, local municipality, so there is we identify, we map out all the red, which are high pollution zones, and convert them to orange and then to green. 
we buy we identify them sources of emission uh, that are actually causing all the pollution by maintaining a real time emission inventory so that is how we are able to create an impact so eventually you know this is a very large global problem and we can't have one body or one person or one company trying to solve this we, this data is bringing together different parties from different sectors from insurance to agriculture to retail to government to healthcare and and even citizens uh, they're all coming together uh, because for the first time they're able to see the data it's like if, if you can't measure it you cannot solve it like peter drucker said so we are bringing that critical measurement and accurate dependable continuous uh, insightful and actionable data that's how we're we're starting to make an impact and we're we're already seeing it from uh, people you know giving us a call initially when we started saying hey thanks for saving my child's life to now we have uh, you know thanks for helping us reduce our emissions and thanks for helping us make better drugs you know these these kind of things that's how we we it's all about impact we measure success yeah. through impact i was really struck i mean the previous call uh when you shared your personal story how this idea came about tell me about the first time you talked with your partner or your co-founders about the idea of this startup first time i remember very clearly it's very fresh it was uh, 2016 and i spoke to jadeep uh, we weren't co-founders at that time yet you know we hadn't started the company but i i did speak to a lot of people uh, i i was trying to you know go through what we can i should do I, it was clear that i have to start ambi and ambi is is something that the world needs and that was when i came across uh, jadeep first and he was uh, you know uh, straight away like a lot of people were you know who will pay for air i mean forget investments why will anybody pay to know what they're breathing mm-hmm. that was the initial most of them were not getting the bigger picture but jadeep uh, clearly understood he was kicked about this idea and he was working on something else and um, and that's when jadeep got on board and he was in vienna he was um, studying and he was he literally you know left all of that same thing with akshay um akshay is jadeep's friend and when jadeep relayed this hey you know what this is cool startup i'm i'm looking to go back to india and start this thing this is seems like a really big problem and i think it's got great potential and uh, akshay uh, also uh, was literally smitten by this idea he was uh, he said yeah this is the future i mean we we, we this was you know when india nobody in india were talking about uh, air pollution or none of these things it uh, it wasn't as big a news as it is today in 2015 2016 but akshay uh, and jadeep got the vision in fact they both uh, akshay was in the uk mm-hmm. and uh, jadeep was in europe both of them you know left what they're doing and they came back to india and we started ambi together how important mm-hmm. is choosing co-founders that understand you that also feels the need to solve what you solve yeah this is something i had uh, particularly experienced um, in my previous startup uh, i had to shut it down because of co-founders because of not having the right people Mm-hmm. who share the same vision who are ready to put the same amount of skin in the game mm-hmm. they're not just there in words but they're actually showing it all in actions so important that it is a make or break not the product not the market nothing else it's about how committed your co-founders are 
and and what they can bring value to the table takes you from zero to one is all about that i really think uh, you have to choose your co-founders based on what they can do try them out tell them uh, for example akshay's thing was that to, to have to build uh, bring in funding and jaydeep's was to get initial customers and my goal was to build out the product so if we achieve these goals we are we qualify to be co-founder we had set these and it sort of continues even today we still have goal based uh, everything that we do and because we were able to achieve these goals we are co-founders so and we continuously you know go back to that beginner mindset that hey you know we'll not you know relax we'll keep these goals and only when we achieve we are on a constant improvement trajectory if not we don't qualify to be a co-founder and co-founder finding is not a one time thing it's a continuous thing so you have to remain a co-founder that means you have to remain productive remain creating value to the to the company otherwise you know when you're starting up the entire world everybody in the universe is conspiring for you to mm-hmm. shut down very soon there there are more than a million reasons why why you should not exist and there's only one reason why you should exist and that reason should overshadow everything else and imagine how much effort and uphill work that you have to do mm-hmm. uh, and choosing co-founder is very critical and working with them being staying co-founder is even more critical you carefully chose the co-founders how about in choosing investors so you told me that one interesting thing about mb is your investors talk to us a little bit about that yeah we we were very lucky uh, that way uh, and yes we did choose and hand pick our investors um, mostly we were looking at not just money you know who a lot of investors did not under, understand what we are doing you know especially um, some of the investors in in the indian ecosystem is, are looking at your cash flow and all of their investment thesis is uh, based on your balance sheet a majority of it and then you have to sound you know really low risk and and, and high returns sort of a setup and then uh, but there are a, a lot of other investors they are ready to take a bet on something new like this um because our investment is the first or one of a kind where you're raising money on data on providing that to environmental data and that to air quality when we raised when we started and not on hardware not on devices uh, not on um, you know a saas or a corporate um, sort of uh, uh, application but purely on on something to do with social uh, responsibility on the climate side So some of the investors came in we we had a few criteria number one was uh, what strategic value that do they bring in do they have experience mm-hmm. and the second important thing was do they uh, put our the vision do they value our vision uh, do they see it and align with it that is what we want to do and the third part is that um, can we learn something from them do they have the the kind of experience so we got some great investors who fit in these criteria even today all of these guys have contributed in a lot of decision making money is sort of like you know the investment uh, is sort of tertiary uh, thing or, or even below that the primary thing is their their experience we learn from their uh, um framework and decision making that's how we chose our uh, investors and we in fact rejected a lot of investments uh, because they were just money and no real value in it if you don't see our our vision don't care about the things we care about then you're not an investor thanks so choose investors that align to your vision that's very important tell us yeah. about your market or who do you offer your services or products to yeah so 
you know, um, everyone today is affected by climate change. Um, and, and you can see that today. Today we've got a pandemic situation is uh, indirectly an outcome of climate change. And that means every business today is socially responsible to, to do something about it because they're affected by it. So mm -hmm. if you're a business, you're not spending something or doing something about mitigating the risk, then um, you know you don't have a business. So if you're in aviation, for example, you won't, you cannot land your or fly your plane if there is no airports left. If the airport is flooded, that's a big, a huge risk. So you have to do something about it. If you're on Amazon, you cannot transport your goods. Nobody's buying, then you don't have a business. So if there's not enough food. You're not a, you're not a good, you, know, you don't have a government. Everybody, uh, you know, your drugs that you're making at a pharmaceutical company, they're not working on people because of climate change, because of phenology, there's more allergy than your anti-allergies can handle. And you're not keeping a tab on that, on the clinical trials and all, all the kind of things. So those are our customers, your governments, your agriculture, corporates uh, who are affected, who are from, you know, working on the uh, SDGs, sustainable development goals to ESG, environmental uh, sustainability goals, the 11 pointer set by the United Nations to even um, companies like insurance, uh, healthcare, uh, marketing, advertising, governments, all of these are our customers. So that's how we, our call to action is, we'll help you mitigate the effects of climate change and, and grow your business. So this is how we reach, your, reach our market. So this is a call to go to market uh, call. To those who want to clearly, I mean, more clearly understand the product. Example, how can I, as a user, use your product or benefit from your product? Can you walk me through? Uh, we are part of Textiles Accelerator and they have a theme called Give Us. So because of that, we give out our data for, ev for everyone for free. Okay. So, and then this is going to be free forever. You can download our app uh, on, the, on iOS or Android store and you could start using our app straight away. So the app will tell you uh, immediately how the environment has been affecting you. Is, uh, is it making you allergic? Is it making you sick? Is it, uh, uh, you know, is the temperature too high to go out or is it gonna rain? Are there anything bad that you should expect in your environment in, in the next 24 to 48 hours? And, and it gives you right away, no ads, no subscription, no payment. And you could subscribe, you could add your family member, let's say your parents or your child school where they go to study and track what their environment is. And anything wrong happening 48 hours in advance, you get a notice. And you can you know, inform or take action on that. That's number one, straight away, you can start looking at a product. The second thing is you could visit globalairpollution.com, which is a, a public website. And you could you know, type in the address, the location that you like to know more about the ambience if you're traveling to another country or city and you want to see you know how it's going to be should you yes we're of course we're used to wearing a mask but apart from that what additional things you should be looking uh, looking after so all of that data comes in and the third thing third place you could visit is of course our uh, uh, documentation uh, api documentation page if you're a developer and you want to build something for yourself, your family, or your organization, mm -hmm. uh, we've got all of this data available on APIs. Your, you know, where's the nearest forest fire happening? Where's the smoke coming? Uh, what kind of dust uh, around your house or your office? 
um, and how is this uh, apparent temperature affecting all of that? Or you are building, you're a farmer, you want to know about your crops and you want to visualize all the data, uh, land cover, land use, vegetation, all of that uh, data, you could look into our APIs. I'm sure there have been a lot of improvements done from the time it started, but I'm still interested to ask, how's your MVP? How's the first version? What's the scope? Yeah, I mean, very interesting story there. Um, you know, our MVP was, was totally bad. Of course, it wasn't supposed to be good. But the way we did it, the way we got to MVP was, so, um, you know, I had to build these device, hardware devices that, you know, when I went to the, um, the first time I faced investors, in fact, I had, a, I had an actual biscuit you know, an Oreo biscuit in the place of a product, I said, my final product will look like this. Until then, it was, this is how it looks. And I had all these wires and cables and circuits because it was hardware. And then onwards, we built out a product um, and an app and everything. But and later on, we pivoted. We, we decided, you know, we're not going to sell these devices. People should not be paying to know what they breathe. And when you already have a watch, you've got a mobile, you cannot carry, expect it to carry another device. Google Glass failed, and and more so, uh, all the guys like uh, Xiaomi or Apple and all of these guys, they have huge consumer ad budgets. And if we are to solve this problem globally, we needed something that is, you know, I cannot, you know, I could ship it across the world. Um, something like everybody, something digitally online, available on the internet, and you could do something about it. So that was data. So so we started looking at how we can build data. And our plan was in three years, we will be able to track uh, air quality across the world. And we got into Techstars. Mm-hmm. And in Techstars, they said, you cannot, you, you cannot keep building for three years. Whatever your plans are to build in three years, build it in the next three, uh, 13 weeks. And, and then by the, at the end of that program, we had built, not only built uh, for over 45 uh, countries in the world, air quality data, but we also had more than 6,000 app downloads, um, more than uh, 10,000 API calls per day uh, from few users. So, so, you know, we had to just change that mindset. The MVP for us is also mm-hmm. a mindset viable product. It's not minimum viable product. We call it a mindset viable product. You need, you need to, as a founder, as a team, believe in a mindset that is aggressive, that puts everything else ahead of, um, not the features, not your coverage. What can you do right now immediately to get that one customer with one uh, feature, uh, but immediately, as soon as, you know, yesterday. So it's like that. So that kind of uh, thing, and and we were uh, able to do that. That's how our MVP was. And that's a little story of uh, our developing it. And now we apply that as a rule. Whatever our timelines are, uh, we cut, cut our 10 feature product into one feature that one customer wants, and that becomes a product for us. And yeah. we do it like, okay, I'll build out in a week or two, and we got a product. We don't keep building for six months, and then we go to the market. That's not how we do it. We have a mindset uh, product approach to uh, minimum viable product approach. Who was your first client, first paying customer? Well, we've uh, had a parent who had a child really affected, was turning oh. asthmatic, just uh, just about, you know, 
um, a two-year-old child and really severe case of asthma. And, and they were the first ones to buy a product. And they, they called and they, you know, they were the first ones to tell us, you know, the air quality in our house, it was what was causing the problem. And now I moved to this place and I use your data every day, uh, if you, you know, at least four or five times. And because of that, my child is, is completely out of asthma in six months. And this okay. was the customer who brought, we had no idea. They, they, wrote, they got back to us six months later and they said their child is fully cured. That was, that was really, really good. And then some of the big customers uh, that came in was Airbus, who really believed in us. Uh, we were also part of Airbus Biz Lab. Uh, we are doing a project with them. Mm-hmm. And then um, um, uh, also now we're working with Bosch. Uh, some of these are early customers. You know, they really believed in us. Right. They, um, they gave us a lot of hope, a lot of scope. We, you know, we crossed that six difficult months of self-doubt whether what we're doing is is where is it going and what we should do better and because they said we'll we'll you know work with you uh, these yeah. customers are very important so um, i'm glad we got a lot of our value props from these guys okay you said instead of building it for three years you were asked to build it for 13 weeks tell us about your challenges i mean throughout your startup journey maddie it's a lot of uh, persistence. Uh, first, first challenge was to convince yourself, this is the mission I, I need to go, I need to work on. Um, I was doing really great uh, in my career, whatever, what, what I was working on, just to stop all of that, all of those good things. I mean, I've got, I've had job offers from some of the Fortune 500, uh, something, you know, really big, significant amount um, of money. And to leave that all of that, and then to take this as a mission, and then to get people to believe in you, uh, investors to customers to co-founders. I mean, when they came in, they started doing the same thing. We started getting more and more people, and then came a day we had okay, we've got people, we've got process, we've got product, we've also got the money. Now we need customers because who gives any product, any company? anybody's mission of value are its users, are its customers. It's not the features, it's not your investors, it's not having great people on your team or a greater vision or a cause, but it's our purpose, but it's about who's using the product and the value comes from that user, from that customer. So we had to get those guys on board. And that is where, uh, that was one of the challenges. So. Uh, everything is a challenge in, in many ways. You're working on something unknown. And then there were a lot of other challenges. How do we build the pollen data? Pollen data, um, for example, for Philippines, mm-hmm. it's not available. You know, a lot of people suffer silently, but without knowing they've got rhinitis, they've got a lot of allergies. Uh, people in, in the US, there's not enough data. In most countries, there, there's not enough information on uh, especially these kind of things. Um, so how do we come up with this data? So uh, everything became a problem statement. So we are we now have so much uh, that we don't have teams in our uh, company. We've got uh, people divided by problem statements. We don't have a departmentalized like okay data front end team, back end team, mobile team. We are working on product uh, problem. So we uh, uh, 
devise this method okay you know if you're okay if there is somebody solving the problem of allergy there's someone solving the problem of reducing yield for a coffee for a very large coffee plant customer um you know coffee farm there's somebody working on improving the yield in a tea plantation there's somebody building india's first air quality healthcare product insurance product so you know this is how we are divided into problems teams and we are all working towards that um so there are a lot of challenges still lie ahead for us uh, from now going from you know um zero revenue to a, a million dollar to a 100 million dollar in revenue from one country to now we we've got global customers mm-hmm. um now how do we improve increase our footprint partnerships marketplace um what is our know, new products all of that so those are some of the challenges and also always the challenge has been with uh, people uh, how do we get the right people on board and also at the same time wrong people off the board of the boat as well i want to build up on what you just said like hiring the right people can you talk a bit about that the recruiting process how do you make sure that the positions are filled with the right people it it's very very tricky you know uh, and again uh, um what works for uh, one thing at ambi that has been is uh, we have taken a very unconventional path to everything mm-hmm. everything we do so what we early on we experienced that what works for 100 others may not work for us you know we can't blindly say okay this is what worked for five guys we should also follow the same path that never worked for us so we start questioning status quo that way um and we came up with devised our own approach to hiring now mostly your tech hiring is you've got a job description a coding challenge or some sort of problem um that you've given and then you already come on board and and it's very easy these days especially tech guys the mm-hmm. patterns are the same and it's if you're if you give if you're a developer or a tech guy or a you know i'm just talking about tech um but otherwise in general with people the system is so beatable you know you can you can raise the complexity of your your challenge that you give out but eventually you're not hiring the right fully rounded person so the first thing that you should have with do is with somebody on your coming on your team mm-hmm. is a conversation and and then i would ask myself you know is this the guy i would like to work with and i would ask the same thing to that guy would i be the right guy who you would want to spend, work with and learn from and i would want to work with and learn from you and that's the first level and then we you know spend a lot of time uh, tinkering on some of the problems that that candidate has faced and how does he solve it and i assess their approach to problem solving how do they think how do they analyze visualize uh, what kind of questions they ask so the interpersonal thing takes over and then comes their your technical round and you know we go with uh additional other sort of uh tests and checks uh, and then uh we also have a, we don't want somebody to score a 90% or 80% we want somebody to score a 40 or a 50% in those tests we in fact reject somebody who scores a 80 or 90 if we know somebody who knows uh, out of 10 things who knows all the nine things then i might not be able to add value uh, to that person career or learning in ambi so if he knows five out of 10 things then he could come on board and learn the five things i could be able to help him learn those things while he's also engaged that he's learning he's growing it's not monotonous and he's constantly growing progressing forward 
So that's, that is another um, uh, thing that we do. So we hire people based on their willingness to skill up and their problem solving and their curiosity, most importantly, how curious and passionate are they about things? You know, I, another quick story is I met um, uh, these guys, two guys who are on our team at a hackathon and they were constantly curious and they joined us as interns mm-hmm. because of their curiosity and their problem solving. And they uh, went about becoming full-time data scientists. And within, by the time they completed their internship, they launched an entirely new product that is gathering several thousand dollars worth of revenue for us. And even before they became full-time data scientists. And today they lead a lot of the efforts along the way, the same passion. And that's, that's, that system really worked for us. Amazing. And we now have the same system for across all roles, all departments. So it's really the passion that fuels you to improve. As the CTO of Ambi, do you have any, like the craziest story, technical side or professional side? Yeah, I mean, every day we've got one. <laughs> I mean, uh, every day has been uh, a crazy new learning. Uh, I've just got this one story that kind of stands out is we've got this large customer um, who uh, is a big ticket size as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we know there are some certain flaws in our product. You know, it's not ready. And we probably need about a few days work before the customer is going to use it. But the customer says, I'm going to start using it tomorrow. I want this tomorrow. Uh, we've got this just, you know, one night. I, I, I come down and I sort of tell this to the whole team. You know what, guys, I think we're going to lose this deal. Me and Jadeep uh, and Akshay, we were like, we had an internally, internal call. We said, okay, we can't help it. This is what it is. They've asked for too much. And we are going to let this go to a, to competi- to a competitor. Yeah. And we come and we announce it to the team. And the team, it's so crazy. And, you know, they're like, we can do this. Let's not let it go. And it was a Friday morning. And we worked through the Friday night and through the Saturday. And, and the customer started using it on Saturday. And we worked through the Saturday night to make sure that there was even more better things. And through the Sunday night, the, you know, the customer asked for two things. We added four or five additional things by Monday morning and we worked through the, and nothing, you know, in fact, uh, on, a, on that Sunday, I had to, sometimes a lot of times I see that I come to my team and I ask them to stop working. You know, that's the kind of dedicated they are. They're so associated with the product. That, that was crazy. And we got that customer. Even today, that customer is one of our market clients today. And they're very happy. And, and since then on every time, that customer or many other, some of these customers reply with an issue or, or a change or a question, we have this uh, record time that we get back to them in under 20 minutes. That's the kind of support uh, experience they get from us. And these are some of our USPs. You know, one thing I missed to talk about our USP is, is this human to human support connect that we have, our, our quick turnaround times. The support experience is, is unmatched. Uh, I'm very proud of that, and I'm grateful to the kind of team that we've got at Ambi. Great. I think that's really valuable. I mean, how responsive the team is, the support is. Congratulations to you and your team again. Thanks, May. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we've got a long way to go, but thank you. Yeah.
Yes, a long way to go. But please share with us some important lessons that you have learned all throughout this startup journey, this crazy startup journey. The first lesson we learned is never take any advice at face value. Mm-hmm. Um, there are plenty of people who, who could give plenty of advice, but ultimately it's your decision. And have a framework to make decisions. You know, some of them are very easy. Your startup is some of all your actions and decisions. It's not somebody else's. So every decision you make uh, leads to a goal point. So make those decisions based on some data, some sort of facts, and not because you read something else. That is number one. And the second thing is uh, take care of your own health. Get in a sleep, uh, stay active, and never get lost in in, you know, I, I, I made a big mistake. Um, it's something I overlooked my health, but I, I'm now back on track, uh, at least almost getting back on track. But that is something you can completely, time will flow really fast if you're a founder. So make sure you stop, you unwind, uh, you do the right things for your health. And health means everything else. So you can take care of that uh, is important. So we're, you know, uh, that is a very important advice. And I don't want to give all these kind of uh, Peter Drucker sort of uh, or a, you know, a Christian Clarison sort of a Howard sort of an advice, but more of, you know, very important advice that are very powerful. The third thing is that uh, believe uh, in your vision, uh, but don't be fixed to what, what you want to do. Be very flexible. You know, you, have, should, have, you should be able to assess. You know, don't be fixed on that product, fixed on that feature but be fixed on that problem and have 10 other ways to solve it. And one of the ways could be the best to most um, optimum way of uh, able to solve that problem. So be flexible to change that feature, change that product or approach, but fix, be fixed on that problem. Fourth important part is uh, also about um, your support functions, you know, uh, your family, your, your team members, um, be very transparent, uh, be grateful, thankful to them, empathize uh, their efforts, appreciate them uh, when they do something, help them out when they're stuck. Um, sometimes uh, most founders I've seen, you now we get so lost in chasing those numbers. We sometimes, we're not, not only hard on ourselves, but we're also hard on other people who are working for us, hard on our families. So I, I really think it's, it, this is something that gets lost in most of our, day-to-day activities, but uh, everything can't be measured. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, you should be empathetic uh, to your support functions. It is who they make you who you are and your company is. I think uh, those are some of the advice I'd like to give to people, especially founders. Yeah. Thank you. And this is the last question. Please complete, I am Maddie, your blank founder. I, I want to be known for... Um, uh, being helpful or humble. Um, if I could put an and there, helpful and humble co-founder. So that's who I, I, I really want to be. And I think uh, a lot of people who know me resonate that with me. Uh, I assume at least. If not, that's great feedback I could work on. But I uh, would like to be known for being helpful and, and being humble. I'd like to stay grounded. Um, very important. And, and then uh, I think we've got so much to do together. Uh, so the, the humble humility comes from the fact that I'm grateful to all of these guys. 
to everyone to have come this far and and i know we're we're going to make it so uh, i have to be uh, helpful at the same time yes i am mary and i am a helpful and a humble co-founder thank you very much for your time today mary thanks mary i enjoyed the conversation thanks for having me and and, and thank you for listening to my story and and about ambi <laughs>